Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice from Audible.com. With us from the Weekly Standard is Fred Barnes. And, you know, Fred, it seems like every week we talk lately, it's, what a week, what a week. <laughs> we, we did it again, including the off-the-record, on-the-record um, uh, attorney general conversation, which I still can't make heads or tails of. Well, I can't either. It shows how uh, they, uh, they've they lost uh, not only the, the Attorney General, Eric Holder, who wanted to have an off-the-record meeting with the press, and so many of them refused to come, uh, but the White House as well, where the president's out there saying things that are obviously untrue and going to fundraisers and so on. It, but here's why this past week was so important, and that is for the first time after the press had been writing that the president's poll numbers are staying up, the Quinnipiac National Poll, which is a very respected poll, found that the president's numbers approval uh, rating was dropping from the high 40s or low 50s down to the middle 40s. And even more important, his, uh, the disapproval, the number of Americans disapproving of his presidency is now greater than those approving it. In other words, the president's underwater. Uh, this hadn't happened before. Look, the president uh, being in the, in the middle 40s is not terrible, but it certainly isn't very good. It's also the case that when you've got these stories like Benghazi and the IRS mm -hmm. and the AP story, that they tend to be flycatchers for news. For example, today we found out that there were six terrorist attacks in Benghazi leading up to the attack that uh, resulted in the death of the ambassador. And with the, with the media paying attention and with that death in the backdrop and the White House's behavior, it just raises more questions of why didn't they do something in advance? Why didn't they approve more security? And you're going to see this, I think, on all of the scandal stories, Fred, where every day there'll be some new piece of information that it might even be unrelated to the story in, in, in truth. But in the, with this backdrop, it seems to tell to confirm the story that people are hearing. Well, it does, and it works this way. For once, uh, the mainstream media, in regard to Obama and his administration, they're now looking for things. So if anything they can see that will move the story, any of the three stories, whether right. it's IRS or the, or the press or Benghazi, if it can move the story an inch or two, the press will jump on it. This is the way uh, scandal coverage has always worked in the past. You know, I've, look, I've done some of it myself, and you don't have to move the story a lot, but you need to have... Uh, a new fact or two, and, and they're coming out all the time. I mean, we, for instance, this unbelievable story, for instance, that Eric Holder didn't realize the seriousness and the gravity of the subpoenas and the, and the naming of, of James Rosen of, of Fox as a, a co-conspirator mm. until he read it in the paper on a Monday morning. <laughs> uh, he, he really didn't understand it, and he expects you to uh, believe that. I mm. think that, uh, the fact that uh, the Justice Department was putting that out was one of the reasons why so many of the re reporters said, we're not going to go in and listen to a bunch of spin off the record. Uh, if he wants to have an on-the-record press conference or an on-the-record just meeting with reporters, we'll go. But, uh, you know, we're not going for spin. Fred, how do the scandals translate into uh, consequences in Washington and then for the voters and taxpayers. A couple of examples. you got the immigration reform deal, a gang of eights mm -hmm. put it together. The president, can he come out and use his weight in his office to advance it? You've got the economy kind of still stumbling and bumbling along. Can anyone in Washington do something to jumpstart the economy? Or are the scandals sucking up all the oxygen and leaving nothing left for actual governance? Well, they are uh, sucking up a lot of oxygen. It's no question about that. 
and, the, and the fact is, the president was already, his presidency was already in decline before the scandals broke. Mm-hmm. You know, the last leverage he had was uh, on the fiscal cliff, where he could, uh, uh, f- where he basically forced Republicans to accept a, a, a tax increase for the top 2% in order to spare the other 98% of Americans any income tax uh, increase at all, mm-hmm. or, or the 48% actually who actually pay income tax. <laughs> the uh, uh, but he doesn't have any leverage now. If you talk to Democrats, Michael, you'll find it on the Hill. They don't want the president to be involved at all in the immigration bill, that he can only have negative influence. Uh, and that is, uh, the, if he tinkers or if he tries to get involved, it, would, it will be in a way that will just drive away marginal mm-hmm. Democrats and a whole lot of Republicans. So um, Chuck Schumer, does he want uh, the president involved uh, on immigration? Not at all. And then, of course, we saw in gun control, the president <laughs> embarrassingly had no influence whatsoever. It's hard to see where he's going to have any influence. He doesn't really have an agenda. Right. Uh, he didn't have one in the campaign last year. Um, and now he's tried to drum up things, but they're leftovers. You know, immigration is an issue he was going to deal with in 2009. Same with gun control. That was in 2009. And, and, and now he's even brought up uh, just to have an issue, something that was a part of his campaign in 2008. And that's getting rid of uh, closing down Guantanamo, which, right. which isn't going to happen. But uh, it shows you what a fix the president's in. He, he, he just doesn't have any big issues to attract attention and steer the presses and the public's eyes o- away from the scandals. And so as long as the eyes are on the scandals, like I said, these other developing stories, whether it's a press conference or a study from last year, are going to keep clinging to him. He needs to change the conversation, and apparently he can't. Here's my well, question for you, Fred Barnes. Would President Obama rather be loved or feared today, and which one is he? Well, he's actually still loved more than he's feared. This is one of the things that's, uh, that's happened, particularly with Republicans on Capitol Hill. They distrusted him, and now they don't fear him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Democrats, uh, uh, a lot of them still trust him, but they fear him for a different reason. They fear that his involvement uh, will actually hurt any progress on Capitol Hill, I mentioned on the immigration bill, uh, but also others. Now, President Obama, for his sake, I think he'd rather be loved. Yeah, I think so, too, but I don't think he's either right now. I mean, he's loved in a sense of affection, mm-hmm. but not in a sense of uh, mm-hmm. we'd love to have him on board. You know, it's funny. It's almost the, you know, you think of a metaphor of a leader as kind of maybe a prince who's out leading his army, you know, in a Shakespearean play. And he gathers mm-hmm. his forces around them and gives them an, op, you know, an objective and they go. This guy, President Obama's almost governed as the princess, the damsel in distress. Look what this fix I'm in. Please, people of America, rush to my aid. And so you've got mm-hmm. organizing for America or whatever the heck they're calling that thing now. And it's having to to do the work of getting political support for things like gun control and immigration reform because mm-hmm. the president can't lead to go get it. They have to come bring it to him. Indeed. I mean, he's uh, the people have called him a bystander, and mm-hmm. uh, and he is something of a bystander president. And, and, and when he gives a speech, like his speech on national security and Guantanamo and terrorism, uh, it was a speech in which uh, he was critiquing his own policies. Uh, it was the strangest presidential speech I've ever seen uh, and, uh, or heard. Um, and very, very unusual, and mm-hmm. writers have been making fun of it the more, the more they've uh, sort of understood what he did, uh, you know, declaring uh, uh, the terrorist threat dead when it's obviously not dead, uh, or, and, and the war on terrorism over. I mean, it's, uh, it's peculiar. Charles Krauthammer made fun of it today, you know. It's like... Uh, 
uh, a, a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't get to declare a war over. You don't get to de- mm-hmm. uh, simply declare a threat over. And yet that's what the president's trying to do. Well, one um, last thing a- before we're running out of time. But one last thing uh, mm-hmm. that you mentioned what was profound for this this week. I think another profound thing is you can tell that the fear of the Republicans overplaying their hand, which they had this drumbeat for weeks of whatever, you know, mm-hmm. don't be that, that the Republicans seem to be handling these issues well, and they don't seem to be as skittish about the issues that, that they, they're not treating like uranium, you know, being held with gloves that they feel comfortable saying, yes, the president's not answering questions. Eric Holder mm-hmm. needs to go. They, they, the Republicans seem to have found their feet on these scandals. You know the one I agree, and the person who's done it uh, the most, who has been uh, the best and the most uh, reasonable, and while really uh, pushing the envelope, is Daryl Issa, mm-hmm. uh, the chairman of the investigative committee, the oversight committee, and has had Benghazi hearings, is going to have some more. He has done a terrific job in a very sensible, uh, non-threatening uh, way. And uh, uh, if others could sort of emulate him, you don't start calling Obama names. That's right. not going to help any. You just let the facts unfold. You know, you don't need to make extreme comments when the facts are on your side. You can just actually be very quiet and let those facts speak. And they're speaking pretty loudly. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. And thanks to audible.com for their special offer, a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice. Be sure to check out the special offer from audible.com. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Joining us